Carrie. And I'm Amy, and you are listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show hosted by two book nerd friends who talk to other book nerds, including authors, poets, librarians, booksellers, and regular readers. Our show follows this format. We begin with my crabby dullness and Amy's sometimes maddening enthusiasm, but not today. It took us a little bit of time to become self-aware and recognize that we embody the grumpy sunshine trope that we often see in literature. That is followed by a fun conversation with a new bookish friend about what they love about being a bookworm. Then we talk about what we're reading. And finally, we put our guest on the hot seat to answer some silly probing questions. We're glad you've joined us. Each season, we'd like to speak to someone from an independent bookstore, but this can be especially challenging during the December holiday shopping crush. We're very glad Amanda Zern Hudson from Bethany Beach Books in Delaware was able to make time to speak with us. Bethany Beach Books started its own book subscription program several years ago called The Book Drop. Amanda tells us all about how she began the program and explains the process for selecting books and getting them out to members. Unlike many other book subscriptions, this one is run by an independent bookstore and the books they pick are what they consider hidden gems. Their program has been recommended by BuzzFeed, NPR, The New York Times, and USA Today. The good news is that you still have time to order a subscription for yourself or a book-loving friend or family member before the holidays. It's for all those procrastinators out there. But first, we started out a pretty good opener today. We were happy. And then this is our third time trying this because we're having technology difficulties. (laughs) And so now we're in person. Yes, which is a good thing. I always like seeing you, but... (laughs) That wasn't really our plan for today. No. So... Today, the technology has not been so great for you, but you have a piece of technology that you have found very special. So tell us about that technology. Uh, The way that you were saying that makes it sound a little bit sexual, and (laughs) that is not what I was going for at all, but I have just Special in a totally platonic, non-sexual way. Yes. I have discovered a Roomba. It's that vacuum that looks like a flying saucer that will go around your house independently and vacuum it. And they've been around for a long time. I am a skeptic about these things. And I thought, surely it would not work. And I bought one on a lark about six months ago. My daughter talked me into it. I bought one from a yard sale. And I love it. I loved it so much. I bought a second one to be on two different levels of my house. And... I have decided that it's like my fourth pet. I, I have except a special, it cleans up. Except for it cleans up instead of making the mess. It's like my it's I it has a special place in my heart and I'm thinking about naming him. Maybe Robbie, but that, that sounds a little t- Robbie the robot, the Roomba, the Roomba robot. It's a little too simple. I need to come up with something. You a need to better. come up with something. Raul. There you go. <laughs> I Raul the uh, well, Roomba. Yeah. Both of my sons really hate it because it's loud. I mean, it is a vacuum, so mm-hmm. it's not like a quiet right. piece of machinery. They hate it. I was kind of teasing my middle son, and I told him is that Robbie the robot, Roomba, Roomba robot, was. it's the clean son I right, never had. Right. You should consider a Roomba, Carrie. It might change your life. Oh, maybe. We'll see. I like to get on the bandwagon way after things are, you know, popular. I mean, so me too on this one. It's been like 10 years. Even further. Well, okay. I'm recommending it. it has to be this close to obsolete. And then I'm like, oh, I think I'll get one of those. Well, I will say, you know, we we talk a lot about us being pet lovers. And if you have pets, more than one pet, I highly recommend it. Because what I like about it is it kind of picks up that, like, (laughs) that slight film of pet hair that collects in your house how does it do over rugs like bathroom rugs does it go into bathrooms like well i mean it'll go anywhere that it can like mm-hmm. if you keep the door closed to your bathroom it won't go in there oh no i would want it to clean the, i mean if well it depends the if the rug is pretty stable stuck to the floor it'll go over it mm. if the rug like if it pushes it it'll kind of push it over to a, uh, okay. a corner okay. so yeah, but okay. I mean, it does hardwoods and it does carpet and it does my, like my big area rugs. Okay. Anyway, well, just we'll a thought. Ooh, <laughs> I have a miso on my lap. Yes, we're, do- we're doing this in my office and my daughter is home from college and so now it serves as a like little makeshift bedroom for her and her cat is here. Who He has not come out for much of anybody, but he came out immediately for Carrie and now is on her lap. I'm so happy. This this makes all the uh, recording snafus 
disappear because yeah. I've got a cute little kitty purring kitty cat on my lap. So I'm happy. Okay, so this is probably a loaded question, but do you have a favorite holiday movie? I mean, no. <laughs> okay, so like Elf. Yeah, I mean, I like it, but, and I would, I mean, yeah, I like those holiday movies, but. Because but some I, of them are snarky, like. Yeah, yeah. Like Lampoon's. Yeah, that one's pretty funny. Yeah, that one's pretty yeah. funny. But I don't like go out of my, when the kids were young, we would sort of make an effort to watch Christmas movies, but now that the kids are older, they don't care and I don't care and. You know, but who knows? I have been tempted to watch the new Will Ferrell Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. There's like a Christmas movie. There is? Yeah, I think it's called Spirited. Oh. And I'm tempted a little bit to watch that just because I really like Will Ferrell. But it's Christmassy. That's the downside. Yeah, but with Will Ferrell, it can't be too precious. No, no. And and Ryan Reynolds is snarky. So yeah. I'm thinking that I might be able to tolerate that. She loves me. He, is it a he? It's a he. He loves me. He does love you. Um, and, as, you know, we need the Roomba up here because I see cat hair flying. <laughs> <laughs> we need Raul. I- <laughs> uh, so I haven't watched any holiday movies yet. Although I did not know about that one. I might have to watch it. Yeah. But I did just finish a holiday book called The Christmas Tree by Julie Solomon. And it's a novella, and I rather liked it. It was, um, it is set at Christmas, and it's sort of about Christmas, but not in the way that you think. It's about the Christmas tree and the Christmas tree that they put up in Rockefeller Center and how they choose it. Now, this is a fiction, and it's about a, a woman whose tree eventually goes to Rockefeller Center, and she's 80 years old, but how that tree was sort of her best friend throughout her whole life. And so I liked it because I like nature. I like trees. And uh, I think if you're somebody who loves the season of winter and like the more natural side, it might appeal to you. So this time of year is often time when, you know, we watch a lot of TV too. Mm. Have there been any series that you've been watching? We have been watching The English, which is a Western and it has Emily Blunt and Cheske Spencer, who is really easy on the eyes. He was in the Twilight series that I never watched, so I didn't know about him from that. But anyway, he's in it. It's pretty good. Cheske Spencer plays the character Eli Whip in the English, and so he's a Native American who served with the American Army, which, you know, that's been a source of conflict for him because he's Native American, but he's, you know, served in the American Army. So that's been a challenge, but he's done. And now he's got some land that he's trying to reclaim. And then Emily Blunt's character has come from England, and she is trying to avenge the death of her young son. So, they, you know, they're kind of on their, their separate quest, but then they end up, their quests sort of overlap. And then there's the, a little bit of this romantic tension. So anyway, it's it's been interesting. But we're watching that. We're watching several other shows. We just finished up a series that I think was like number one, the number one watch series on Netflix the last few weeks. But it's Wednesday, which is a Tim Burton production. And it is about the character of Wednesday from the Adams family. You know, if you like dark academia, it takes place at a boarding school. Wednesday's sent to a boarding school uh, because she has been expelled from her regular school or too many times. And the most recent time is because there was a jock who was picking on her little brother uh, Pugsley. They were having a swim practice and she put piranhas in the pool. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is a mystery that takes place at Nevermore Academy, and we we really liked it. But I think one of the reasons my husband and I like it, my daughter doesn't listen to this podcast, but we think that my daughter is a little bit like Wednesday Adams. She, you know, she doesn't show very much emotion on her face. She's kind of a. Does she have RBF? She yes, she has yeah. definitely has RBF. Mm-hmm. She's kind of gloomy. She's a little bit uh... like me. Is what you're saying. <laughs> Because you're giving me this look like you should be able to relate to this character. I'm not giving you that look, but if you say it, well, maybe it's true. Well, it is. But it's a cute show, especially to binge watch over the holidays. Yeah, Yeah, we find that uh, usually Dean takes 
the week between Christmas and New Year's off. And so we we watch a lot of TV. Well, have you finished your holiday shopping? No, because I gave some of it to you. (laughs) (laughs) You did. (laughs) Amy, will you please go buy something for me? Because I need to shop. Well, I haven't finished my shopping either. And if you were like Carrie and I, and you have a book lover on your list, this is the episode for you. You want to hear about the Book Drop book subscription service. Yes. Yes. Let's talk to Amanda Zern Hudson about the Book Drop and how they select their books. All right, Amanda Zern Hudson from Book Drop Bethany Beach Books. Thanks so much for being with us in December, which I'm sure is a very busy time for you. It is. It is. Yes. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is so exciting. But yes, December is a very busy um, but exciting time of the year for us, for sure. We are huge cheerleaders for independent bookstores, but also we're excited to talk to you because you are our first book subscription program that we have ever interviewed. And so December seems like a wonderful time to do it because people are always looking, you know, for that perfect bookish gift for the book nerd in their life. So Mm -hmm. before we talk about the book subscription service, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role at Bethany Beach Books in Delaware. So my name is Amanda Zern Hudson, and I am one of the managers at Bethany Beach Books, and then also one of the curators and creator of our monthly subscription program, uh, which we call The Book Drop. I started at Bethany Beach Books when I was actually, I think I was 16. Um, so I was still in high school. And I always tell everyone, it's kind of like like finding your soulmate or like your husband or wife, like when you're in high school, because, you know, I see people that I graduated with and they're like, Oh, what are you up to? And I'm like, Oh, I'm still at the bookstore, you know? And they're like, what? <laughs> and so I always feel so lucky that I found, you know, my dream job when I was so young. So of course I started at the store as, you know, a summer bookseller you know, stocking shelves and recommending books and that and such. But as time went on, you know, I started taking on more responsibilities. And then I started taking on, you know, all the ordering and selecting what titles we would have in our store, which was always really exciting. And then that kind of morphed into creating the book drop. And yeah, I guess the story is continuing. So who knows where the next chapter of uh, my bookstore saga will be. (laughs) So how long has Bethany Beach Books been around? So they opened in 1991, and the original owner, uh, her name was Nancy. She opened right in downtown Bethany across the street from where we currently are. And then in 2010, the current owner, Jackie Inman Burns, she bought the store, and she adopted um, all of our staff that was under Nancy's umbrella. And she has done just amazing things with the store, the community. She has just really, you know, taken Bethany Beach Books to the next level, um, which has been very wonderful. And so you are located in Delaware on Bethany Beach, you know, the Atlantic coast of Delaware. So in the summertime, I am guessing that it is quite a big tourist destination. It is. Yes. So um, we, like you said, we're in Delaware. And so a lot of our uh, readers and beachgoers, they are coming from, you know, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, and they all come to Bethany Beach and the surrounding beaches uh, for their week at the beach during the summer. So we get to see them every summer, which is really exciting. The book drop, I saw it on... um an article about the best book subscription services uh, that you could become a part of. And one of the things that they said about the book drop was that it was the only one that was sort of done by an independent bookstore. And so I'm a little curious about what the book drop is and how it came to be. So how, how did you start that? You know, like we just said, we are a very seasonal store. We are open year round, but during um, the winters, all of our summer customers would go back home to, you know, their full-time residences. And a lot of them always commented on, oh my goodness, I love your 
book recommendations, like from the staff. I wish I could, you know, know what you guys are reading all year, like when I'm home and I can't be at the beach. And so that kind of sparked our imagination. And we thought, well, what if we send them a book every month and it's something that we love and something that if they were in our store, this is what we would be recommending to them. And so that turned into, well, why don't we start a monthly subscription? And, you know, we started off, I think we had maybe like 24 people the first month. And then shortly after we launched, BuzzFeed actually picked us up and, you know, put us in one of their articles, which was amazing. And like overnight, all of a sudden, like all of these readers were signing up and asking questions and do you ship internationally? And we were like, what is, what in the world is going on? This is amazing. (laughs) And someone said, oh, I saw you on BuzzFeed. And we were like, wow, well, that is like, I feel like we just hit the lottery. And ever since then, it just has, you know, continued to grow. And so in a nutshell, when you sign up for the book drop, you will receive a one book from us a month, the reader selects the genre, and then we select a book and it's going to be a surprise. So it's kind of like a blind date with a book, we're going to pick a book that we absolutely love that we would absolutely recommend if you were in the store. But it's not going to be a book that, you know, is going to be on the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. We think it should be, but it's not going to be something that people will find unless they are like really immersed in the book community um, or industry or, you know, in an independent bookstore. We usually call them hidden gems, uh, but they're books we definitely absolutely love and like champion and, and want to have everyone read. I love that because, you know, some of the authors that are on the bestseller list have wonderful books, you know, Celeste King and, um, you know, Stephen King and all those, but they don't really need our help necessarily to sell books, right? You know, as we've come to learn from interviewing authors that are coming from small presses or different things, there's so many wonderful books out there that just don't get as much exposure because Simply, they just don't have the money as much money, you know, for advertising mm-hmm. and promoting themselves and and things like that. So I love that you are doing hidden gems. Yeah, that's that's you. a really thank great you. aspect of it. I think. Thanks. Yeah, we love it. We also thought, you know, I knew I know even for myself when it's time for me to pick up my next book, I am always so overwhelmed with, you know, what should I read? And I thought, well, geez, if if you aren't in you know, in an independent bookstore or in the book industry in any way, it could be really intimidating to pick your next book. And what if it's not good and you don't have a lot of time to read anyway? So you don't necessarily want to be reading something that you're not like guaranteed to like. So we thought that we would kind of help, you know, readers out there find something that, hey, we love this and we think you will too. I want to ask sort of about the nitty gritty of doing this and curating. Number one, like I'm feeling a lot of pressure just (laughs) sort of for you because I would feel pressure like, oh my gosh, you know, I really need to make each subscription in each of the categories. So, so talk to us a little bit about, well, let's start with the work that you all do to find these books and, and do you have to divide and conquer in terms of, you know, because not every person loves every genre. So do you read certain books and try to find in a certain category and then somebody else in the bookstore reads a different genre and gives suggestions? Talk to me about how that works. Originally, I chose all the titles and that quickly got overwhelming. And like Mm -hmm. you said, you know, we have a fantasy subscription and I love fantasy, but I just don't read it enough to confidently suggest books. And so my pet subscription genre would be our books for tea, which is historical fiction. And that has always been uh, my go-to genre to read. But Julia, she is our co-curator. She handles a ton of stuff at the book drop with us. And she actually curates now our romance, which is our books for bubbly. She created our books for Elixir, which is our fantasy. And so she continues to curate that. And then she also has taken our young adult under her wing as well. She reads all of those genres and has fantastic recommendations. And so she was the perfect person to start curating those. But besides that, we talk about it as a team usually, or I talk to our publisher reps and we kind of go from there. We definitely always try to read as much of our titles as possible, but I mean, we have 
15 subscriptions that go out every month. So sadly, we can't read them all cover to cover, mm-hmm. um, but that's always the goal. <laughs> I didn't realize that you had 15. And you were saying like the books with bubbly and the books with elixir. So do they all have a beverage matched with them? <laughs> yeah. So originally we named them after authors. Like we had the Austin, we had the Hemingway, but we were finding that subscribers and readers were thinking that we were like genderizing the books and essentially saying like, if you're, if you identify as a woman, then you should be reading our Austin books. And, you know, if you identify as a man, then you should be reading our Hemingway titles, which was, I never thought that people would think that, but it was very valid. And so we thought, well, maybe we should rebrand a little bit. And so we kind of thought, well, our historical fiction, I feel like they're always drinking tea in those books and you would probably (laughs) want to be drinking tea maybe. Um, And coffee, like we want to be sending thrillers that are so good. You're either staying up all night and you will need coffee in the morning or um, you're going to need coffee to stay up all night because you like cannot put down your mystery book. And then uh, actually, a, a subscriber came to us and said, do you have a romance? You know, it'd be so cute if it was called Books for Bubbly. So we went with that. Yeah, so they all are beverage themed. Um, I don't know how many other beverages we could come up with because <laughs> I feel like we're running out of them. I feel like we kind of like got ourselves into a corner there. What's no, the one no. for YA? Is it like books with uh, smoothies or books with bubble tea yes, or something? We, we totally should do that. But sadly, they, it's just books for young adults, which is oh, like, okay. so boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like books for middle grade, which yeah, again, is so boring. Maybe like we should have the juice box or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of where it started and then where it morphed to. And and sometimes I love that we call them that. And other times I'm like, geez, why don't we just call it the historical fiction one? Like, why do we have to be, you know, <laughs> cute? <laughs> well, so what are the subscription options that you have? I mean, can someone sign up for a, like one month or can they sign up for a year? How How does that all work? So we have different lengths. You can sign up for one, three, six, or 12 months. And so when you sign up for three months, say you're going to pay for those three months up front, and then you're not charged again until you know, either you decide to renew or the subscription expires. So yeah, we do have options like that. We only currently have subscriptions that send books once every month. Uh, we've gotten requests recently of, you know, can I do every other month. And although our system doesn't have that automatically, uh, readers can always skip months and essentially, you know, you, then you can make it a every other month subscription if you so wish. But yeah, we have the historical fiction, thrillers, fantasy, romance, and large print. Those are all of our adult subscriptions. And then under our like young readers umbrella, we have young adult, middle grade, early readers, which would be like an early chapter book, and then our hardcover picture books. And then we just launched our board book subscription. Very cute. Well, I I didn't realize you had a large print, which that is is a huge thing for people who need large print. My mother reads large print and it's hard for her to find those sometimes. It really is. And it's especially hard to find them affordable. So we try to keep them under $30 for our large print because I know it's really, it's hard to find large prints under that. So we do a lot of work in finding, you know, more affordable large prints. Um, But yeah, we've heard that from a lot of readers that subscriptions don't offer large prints. So we thought, well, hey, let's, let's fill that hole in the subscription world. So for the large print subscription, that's not a genre. I mean, does it depend on what you can find in terms of what you put in the large print subscriptions? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So for that one, we, we advertise it as um, it's going to rotate genres. We usually feature historical fiction and thrillers just because I feel like those appeal to a larger audience. And yeah, unfortunately, we don't have like a more curated large print subscription only because like you said, it's hard to find the titles under a certain price point and and we don't want to you know overpromise on that. Right. Have these categories have have those changed over time? I know you talked about how the titles of the different subscription categories have changed. Talk to us a little bit of the changes that have occurred in the in the subscriptions. Originally when we first launched, we had 
options for paperback and hardcover. And then we realized that the hardcover, I don't think we actually had anyone sign up for the hardcover. So after like two or three months, we, we thought, okay, let's just do trade paperback. And then we also started feeling a little bit like a diner, like we're offering too many options. Mm. <laughs> and like a diner, that's amazing. But usually at a diner, like nothing is going to be you know, five stars. So we thought, okay, let's minimize what we're offering um, so we can do it really well. I feel like we haven't had any subscriptions that we've started, you know, like genres and then have stopped. Well, we always let our subscribers know, like if you have an idea or, or you have a request, let us know. And that's honestly where most of our subscriptions have come from. Um, we just started off with our books for tea and books for coffee in the beginning. And so then it morphed into, you know, folks wanted romance and they wanted fantasy. And so we said, sure, like if that's, if those are the books you want, we will absolutely um, get them to you. Shipping within the United States, if it's books, is at a slightly cheaper rate than, you know, if you ship something else, but it can be very expensive if you're doing it internationally. So is this for US only or do you do it internationally as well? Yeah. So actually, just as of this quarter, we had to put our international shipping on pause. So we used to ship internationally, but the, like you said, the the cost of shipping just continued to increase to a point where we felt uncomfortable. Like we were charging like almost $30 a month oh, wow. for international shipping. And that was simply the cost that you know, we were being charged. We, it's not like we increased that at all. And so we honestly just felt uncomfortable charging that much. Um, and then there was always the chance that it would never make it to the mm. reader for some countries, or it would take just so dreadfully long. And so we decided to put that on pause just until, you know, we feel more confident in the shipping. And, and so right now we are just US only. I'm wondering, what is the process? So every month you have subscriptions, whether it's just that month or, you know, you have all your subscriptions that you have to send out. So <laughs> I'm picturing like an assembly line, paint a picture for us of, of what the process looks to actually get these out to subscribers. That's one of the things I always let folks know, especially other bookstores that are like, oh, we've always thought about that, you know, start a, a subscription. And I always say, just remember that it's so hard. A subscription will be every month. Like it's never ending, <laughs> which is beautiful and amazing. But some months you're like, oh my gosh, I really wish that we could just take a breather because our team is just on a hamster wheel all the time. So the books, they get delivered to us and our team of uh, Julia, Hale, and Carmen, they are all amazing. They start unpacking the books, looking for damages and pulling them. And they each have like their own workstations. And so they will start unpacking the books and then wrapping them. So each of our genres are wrapped in a different color tissue because we think it's really cute and awesome, but also because it helps us once they are wrapped, we know what is inside of the wrapping. And so they all each start wrapping the different genres, making sure the books are in great condition, and then stacking them in kind of like our, I don't even know what you would call it. It's just like all this shelving. Um, so you'd come in and there would just be like all this shelving of all wrapped books in different colors, which is really fun. <laughs> and then after that, we start stickering all of our mailers. And once Julia or I have printed all of our labels for the month, then we basically, you know, stack up all the labels and everyone just takes whatever stack they are wanting to pack that month. And then it's funny, everyone packs a little differently. Um, but essentially then they would just pull all the materials, pack it into a mailer and then put it into a post office tub. And then our amazing people at the post office will come and pick them all up. And then they are out into the world and we all like hope and pray and wish and really talk to the male gods and say, please send our packages uh, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and they usually like 99% of the time get to the person and it's wonderful and beautiful. And then, and then we start the process all over again. How far ahead of time do you have to choose the book and then order it, you know, to be able to then go through this process? Because of our space, we try to only have like one month worth of books at the shop, but we are usually selecting our titles uh, anywhere from four to six months in advance. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm talking to the publishers, I'm putting those orders in. 
some of the time I get them in really early. And then most of the time <laughs> I'm calling my publisher saying, Hey, it's me again. Uh, can you give me like X number of books, you know, like within 10 days? And they're like, Oh, Amanda, for sure. But also, can you please send your orders in earlier? <laughs> <laughs> but the publishers are all really amazing. And, and sometimes I will be able to tell them, you know, Hey, I want to order this now, but don't give it to me until the end of like, you know, three months in advance. Because otherwise all the books start coming in and like we we feel like little mice. We're like, you know, walking through mazes of uh, stacks of book boxes and which is all fun, but <laughs> well, I, I mean I know I've heard from other booksellers in the last couple of years, especially during COVID, that there were all kinds of shortages and delays mm -hmm. because of paper shortages and things sitting on shipping containers or you know, what have you. So did that affect you? Yes, yes. There were a few times where, you know, it's the day before we're supposed to be shipping and like the books aren't even to us yet. And we still have to sort them, wrap them and then pack them, which is why, I mean, sometimes I feel like I should choose our titles, you know, a year in advance or as soon as I find out about them. But then so many things can change between that point and when we need to ship. And so, yeah, during COVID, it was especially difficult. And we actually opened our physical location of the book drop um, in 2020, because during COVID, our numbers increased so heavily that we had been packing them in my husband's um, like pole building garage at our house. And it was getting to the point where he was like, look, Amanda, I really love you, but I would really like to, you know, put my tools in here or, you know, do like my manly things out here. Instead, I was like having him haul boxes and like rearrange and everything like that. But yeah, we have actually been, knock on wood, we've been very lucky with all of our publishers and books, and, and we haven't had too many crazy instances. Um, but we definitely have been feeling the delays in shipping. A lot of times, you know, when you see subscription services for books or, or lots of other things, that there's some extra little goodies that kind of get thrown in the mix. So are, are there any special surprises that you sometimes throw in with the with the books when you send them? We try to always have a letter from the author. So we will reach out to the authors and, you know, just ask, will you write a dear reader letter for us? And they are almost always more than willing to do so. Um, if in the event that there's not a letter, we try to do a signed book plate. We try to keep our goodies like paper, if mm -hmm. that makes sense, so that we can yeah. continue to ship media mail. And then we sometimes do a like quarterly holiday mailing. And then that's when we would like, we usually call those upgrades. And so readers can then upgrade to receive like goodies that month. And so those might be anything from like chocolate to, you know, fancier bookmarks. I think we've done tote bags before. One year, I think for Mother's Day, we like went all out and did like little plant kits and fun stuff like that. Tea towels, I think. But usually like on a, on a standard month, we try to keep it pretty minimal. We don't do any like fancy goodies or anything. Gotcha. Um, mostly because there are so many fabulous boxes out there, especially book boxes. There are some really awesome book boxes out there that do um, goodies. And we thought there's no way we can compete with the, them. So yeah. Wow. You're you're going for something a little different, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to keep it a little more simple. Not that the I mean, I love those extravagant boxes. I just also can't imagine like packing all of them. Mm -hmm. That seems a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> this question goes back to what we were talking about before a little bit about how you select the books. In a lot of the book subscription services, the books that you get are like new releases. Are the mm, books yes. that you are choosing, are they new releases? Are they like within the last year or could it be a backlist book? For all of our subscriptions, we try to choose titles that are published within the last month. Occasionally it might be a little bit you know, within the last two months, but it's always something that is front list. There are so many books I absolutely love on what we would consider backlist or things published like more than a year ago. But since a lot of our subscribers are readers who read a lot, we try to do just front lists. At least then there's less of a chance of them having already read it. If it's a trade paperback original, that is my jam. I love a trade pa paperback original because then I know no one has read it yet. But otherwise, it'll be a title that has just published in paperback. So it might have been out before in hardcover, but now it's in paperback. Yeah. So there's always the chance that, you know, readers have read it in hardcover. 
what's holiday festivities books for bubbly? Is, is there something special that you do at the winter holidays? In the past, we've always done an upgrade at the at the holidays, and so that would include um, some of those higher end goodies that we talked about earlier. But this year, we tried a books for bubbly Halloween edition, and everyone loved that. And essentially, that was an extra books for bubbly or romance subscription for the month of October that featured a like spooky romance basically and we themed it all like all the packaging you know we did black and purple um for all the packaging and everything was super fun and festive and everyone loved it and so we thought okay let's do it again for the holidays and so this year julia found and selected three amazing titles that she also renamed all the titles are amazingly punny that she (laughs) like um I I don't want to go into what the titles are because folks can still go online now and be surprised by the titles um but essentially it's a festive romance book and all of the packaging is pink and fun and everything is themed to the winter holidays um and so that's an addition to our standard bubbly so people can get essentially two romances um in December if they so wish that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> we really, we really had a lot of fun with it. But that brings me to ask you about deadlines. I mean, if you are wanting that, how much longer do you have to get it? And then my second question is: say if you're, you know, you're ordering this as a gift for somebody, like a gift subscription that would start after the holidays. How far ahead of time does someone need to do that? Um, so right now we are shipping anything and everything within two business days. And so that allows for folks to sign up now and then they would receive their first month before the holidays, which some people are thinking, well, I don't want them to get it before the holidays. So then you have two options. We recommend that people can sign up now and have the first month mailed to them and then they can actually gift the person the book physically you know during their holiday celebration um, and then all future months we can have shipped directly to the recipient which a lot of people opt for um, because I feel like it's always more fun to gift something you know physically to someone but if anyone is hoping to start the subscription in January we recommend signing up after the 21st of December that's when our January mailing launches in the event that someone has signed up before then and they think oh gosh i really just need this to start in January um they just have to email us and then we can basically move the mailings to start in January but so essentially i guess in a roundabout way there is no deadline we can just <laughs> Whenever you want. <laughs> that's that's awesome because there's so many procrastinating shoppers out there. Oh, yeah. You know? I love them. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's awesome <laughs> that it's just kind of like always open. So yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Well, I just want to know about the feedback that you get from subscribers. What do people say about it? Oh, gosh. A lot of people really, really, really say amazing things to us, which is always nice. (laughs) But everyone says, you know, I would have never chosen this book for myself, but I'm so glad you sent it because I read it and I loved it. Or they say, you know, my book club loves your selections. I always recommend them to our book clubs and then we all read them together. Um, I, I know a lot of people gift them to elderly parents or parents who are in nursing homes and such. And they and they talk about how excited they are. Like one subscriber sent us a picture of her mom who was in her 90s and it, she was like holding up her book drop. She was like, this is the light of her month. And Aww. I was just like, okay, well now I'm going to sob. Um, <laughs> I especially love when the parents say, you know, my child gets so excited seeing your mailer in our mailbox and is like excited to read and, and stuff like that. And as, as a parent myself, that is awesome. That makes me really happy. Well, if you're a book lover like us, (laughs) book mail, book mail is just so fun, you know? And and it's like a little bit like opening a package on your birthday or Christmas too, especially if you don't know what the title is, opening it and seeing what's inside. That's awesome. Surprise. Yeah. We, we hope that everyone else agrees with that too. (laughs) So have there been any titles that have been huge hits with, with your subscribers? 
Um, so more recently, we sent out The Lost Ticket by Freya Sampson, and that that was in our Bubbly Romance subscription, and everyone really loved that. A lot of people tag us on Instagram, and it's always so fun seeing their photos that they've posted um, and seeing like their creative photos and just how <laughs> they curate it all. It's so cool. But yeah, I feel like every month they kind of all kind of hit. I don't think we've had any that weren't. Or if so, they don't tell us in which case that kind of makes me happy too. <laughs> I'm always like, if you don't like it, I mean, I want to know, but also don't. <laughs> I, I kind of want a subscription for myself and I can think of about three or four other people I'd like to get subscriptions for. And I have been part of subscription <laughs> services before and I've tried different ones. And I, I, just, I just love the fact that these are like, like you said, like undiscovered gems. So um, this sounds wonderful, Amanda. But right now we are going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we're reading. We are back with Amanda from Bethany Beach Books and the Book Drop and with Carrie. Carrie, what are you reading during this month of December? Well, I, I'm going to talk about a book that I finished not too long ago. So I have never taught world history before, but I'm teaching it this year. And at the beginning of the semester, I kind of did a review of history before 1200 CE. And that focuses on the agricultural revolution and the development of the first civilizations. But as usual, when I'm sort of teaching something that I've never taught before, I, I start to go into rabbit holes. You know, something sounds interesting to me and then I dig, dig, dig. So doing this review got me into reading about before the agricultural revolution. So, you know, you can find histories, you can find magazine articles, but I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to find a book, a fictionalized account. And so I found Clan of the Cave Bear by Jean All. I think that's how you pronounce it. But that was like really thick. I, I couldn't commit to that. It's on, it's on my list. But what I did discover is a book written by William Golding, who wrote Lord of the Flies, and it's called The Inheritors. And it's about a group of Neanderthals that meets a group of Homo sapiens and, and what happens as a result of this meeting. So this book is not, or at least for me, it was not a, what I would call an easy read because most of the book is told from the perspective of one of the Neanderthals. And the reader gets a sense of what thinking with a Neanderthal brain might have been like. So I'll give you an example. The Neanderthals would say things about seeing a picture. And you got the sense that they were talking about imagining, that they were imagining something, or that they were experiencing a shared understanding between them. But they often weren't successful at this shared understanding. So for example, Amy, if I said to you, I had a dream that I was on top of an ice cream cone with Bono from U2, you, you would know what I was talking about, right? <laughs> you would understand that even though neither of us have ever actually seen that. And so you got the sense that, that this is what the Neanderthals were attempting to do but they weren't always successful. They didn't have the brains and the communication to be able to transmit this effectively. So the book, again, it was it was a little bit, you know, because I, we are all homo sapiens, it was a little bit hard for me to understand what they were getting at. But the cool thing is that it made me consider in a way that I had never, what Neanderthals and early hominids might have thought like or thought about and how confusing that would have been, like how much their brains would have limited their understanding of the world that they saw and, and lived in. And so it felt pretty profound to think about this, especially since the last chapter of the book is told from the Homo sapiens perspective. And so that makes it very clear how and why Neanderthals died out if their brains were having to compete with homo sapien brains. So I, I felt like, it, you know, again, it wasn't necessarily an easy read, but it was sort of a mind blowing read. And that book is called The Inheritors by William Golding. So I would say this book doesn't sound like it's a book for everybody. But if you have a reader who's really into history, or language or something like that, or maybe thinking, even, yeah, 
or, or maybe he's usually a nonfiction reader, but wants to try something in fiction. This might be. I, I thought it was kind of fascinating. But yes, it's definitely not something that every person is going to be like, yeah, that sounds like a, I mean, put it this way. It wasn't like a fast paced, you know, you want to get through it. You had to slow down to read this book, but it's not that thick. So Amanda, you are surrounded by books all day long. What have you been <laughs> reading and enjoying? So I have been listening to a lot of books on Libro FM, most of them memoirs. But recently, I read Lark Ascending by Silas House. Ooh, yes. And first, you know, the post-apocalyptic theme is not something I usually pick up, but I could not stop reading Lark Ascending. I actually read it on vacation and like my family members would come up to me and I'm like, yeah, yeah, but like I'm reading. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk to you in a little bit. But yeah, it's like this post-apocalyptic, you know, it's in the United States and the main character is trying to get back to Ireland because it's kind of like a safe haven. He ends up finding a dog and, you know, dogs have not been around for years and years and years. Like children now don't even know what dogs are because they were basically all euthanized at one point because like no one could afford to keep feeding them. So he ends up finding this dog, which I believe was a beagle. It might not be, but that's just what I envisioned. And they become like best friends and... It was awesome. It was so good. I could not put it down. And so then from there, I read The Road, which I had never read. It's been always been on my list. And so for anyone who loved The Road by Cormac McCarthy, Lark Ascending like absolutely has to be your next read. It was so good. Like I can't even – and the, the, the cover of Lark Ascending also is fabulous. It is so, so good. That's amazing. So Silas House, you know, is from Kentucky and I went to his author event for this book that was held in Louisville. And I'm pretty sure that it is a beagle in the book because he has a beagle. If you follow him on, on social media, he has the cutest little beagle. But hearing him talk about he said that the book started just from he was in Ireland doing some sort of teaching year abroad at a mm-hmm. at a university in Ireland. And one day he came across this stray dog who kind of just looked at him almost like he could look into his soul. And so he had that in his mind and he just created a book around that particular moment. That um, is awesome. Yeah. Uh, have you read anything else by him? I haven't, but I I heard him, you know, I watched a um, a virtual event with him. And first of all, his accent and his voice are just Amazing. They are amazing. Like I would absolutely yes. recommend an audiobook if he reads it. Um, which I wonder if he. I'm. Sh- I wonder if he's read Lark Ascending for the audiobook. I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, I need to look into that. But I yeah. haven't. I haven't read his other. Um, because isn't it Southernmost? I think that's his other mm. book. Maybe. Southernmost, and then he had a trilogy that was loosely based on his family's history in the mountains oh, of wow. Kentucky. I'm well, glad you read Silas House, and I have never read The Road. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I hadn't either. I never like that was never my jam, but now it totally is. I'm like, give me all the post apocalyptic. Like, you know, I feel like that was a few years ago, but I'm I'm here for it now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I started reading The Road, but I was so confused. I felt like I knew and what I, I was going on, it. but I wasn't sure. Maybe I need to listen to it because I, I yeah, was reading I've, it. And I'm pretty sure doesn't Cormac McCarthy not use a whole bunch of punctuation, like as far as like yes, dialogue. Yes. And so yes. the audiobook was really fantastic. And the and the narrator was incredible because he kind of changed his voice. Um, and he just had this like husky, I don't know, like it just was the perfect voice for the book. Um, and so I think if I had picked the actual physical book up, I probably would not have enjoyed it as much as um, the audiobook. So okay, well, I think I need to do that. All right. Well, Amy, what have you been busy reading? So I am halfway through a book called Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close. And this book was published in April of this year. And I remember when it came out, I was really intrigued by the title because I couldn't figure out like what it meant or what it was referring to. And the title refers to a term in the restaurant world where it used to be, you know, when restaurants used squeeze bottles for their ketchup. At the end of the night, the wait staff would put all those bottles and they would with, you know, in quotes, marry them. So they would, you know, take one and fill up the other to like consolidate them. Right. So that's what the term marrying the ketchups refers to. Oh, 
So I've been very confused. I've been seeing you update on Goodreads and I'm like, what in the heck is she reading? (laughs) So I started listening to this book on audio and I am so delighted with it that I can't listen fast enough. So I've also checked out the book so I can read and listen at the same time. So this is a family drama of a large family who own a restaurant called Sullivan's in the suburbs of Chicago. And it's a restaurant that's been around for 40 years. And while it started out fairly swanky, it was a steak and potatoes kind of place. It has become a little shabby, but it still has its loyal regulars. The grandfather built up the restaurant and now his children and grandchildren all have their hands in and can never quite seem to get away. And so when the book opens, the grandfather, Buddy, has died and that changes the family dynamic a bit. But this book mainly focuses on Bud's grandchildren, Teddy, Gretchen, and Jane, who are all in their 30s and are each going through relationship issues or big life changes. Teddy's boyfriend broke up with him, but keeps hanging around the restaurant. Jane's having marital trouble that started when Trump was elected president. And Gretchen moves home from New York after a big fiasco breakup with her boyfriend, who's also in the same band as her because he slept with one of the other bandmates. So whenever these things happen, they can always come back to the restaurant, but sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing. As a foodie myself, uh, I'm finding the details about what growing up in a family restaurant might be like. I want to read this quote to you because when I was listening to the book and I heard it, this is the reason I checked out the book. I checked out the ebook so that I could highlight this quote because I loved it so much. Gathering at restaurants was the Sullivan's answer to everything. Death, marriage, farewells, birthdays. They had a favorite restaurant and dish for every occasion. Tacos complimented happy news. Pasta absorbed grief. Bacon lifted you out of a funk. And Chinese food was a wild card. Egg rolls were appropriate for a promotion or a broken heart. So this book feels to me like an Ann Tyler style story, but for millennials, her characters are deeply developed and there's a a little bit of humor in her book. And while the family's dysfunctional, it's also big hearted and cozy. And if you watched the show, The Bear, about a Chicago restaurant family, you get a little of that as well, although it's not nearly as stressful as the show, The Bear. But like I said, I'm about halfway through. I'm thoroughly enjoying it and I'm anxious to see how it ends. So I would agree. Uh, bacon can lift me out of a bad mood. Would- <laughs> and pasta does absorb grief. All those carbs, that's what you want when you're upset. <laughs> well, I'm glad Absolutely. to finally know the, the story behind that book. Because <laughs> I kept looking. I'm like, I cannot even imagine what that book is it's, about. I mean, isn't it an intriguing title? It is. Yeah, it is, for sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, these books all sound terrific. Let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to put Amanda in the hot seat for her three in the third degree. We are back with Amanda Zern Hudson from the book drop and Bethany Beach books. And we're going to ask her 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 questions to get to know her a little bit better. So are you ready, Amanda? I am ready. All right. (laughs) So we understand you have a thing for ice cream sandwiches. So do you have a particular brand or flavor you especially love? Or do you stick with the old school ones like you ate when you were a kid? Definitely the old school originals. Yeah. I do love Blue Bunny, though. They have some especially good ice cream sandwiches. So you're talking about the the ones that kind of look like a domino with like the chocolate yes. black cookie yeah, cake, but it's, it's kind of yeah. soft with just the ice cream inside. Yep, just the vanilla ice cream, yep. which is a classic. Those are one of my childhood favorites as well, actually. A good <laughs> ice cream sandwich. I mean, the fancy cookie ones you can get at places now – those are all fine and yeah, good, but I still nice, think I would, I, I still like the kind you just kind of unwrap with the little white wrapper. Yeah, yeah you need the, the original. Yeah, the OG. So if you see a, another brand that's come out with a ice cream sandwich, you try it just to see if it holds up next to the to the original. To yeah, the original. sometimes I will. Now, I, you know, I have a two and a half year old son. So now I basically have to share everything and anything ah, I eat. Gotcha. So if I can get through like one ice cream sandwich by myself, that's a win for sure. <laughs> um, I am not against like hiding in the bathroom to try to, you know, enjoy a treat. I feel like if you're a parent, you totally get that. Oh, yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, um, I haven't been able to enjoy as many as of recent. But yes, just the original classics are uh, my go-to. 
I have three teenagers and my middle one, like he's never met a treat he didn't like. So what I've had to start (laughs) doing is if I keep stuff in the grocery bags and put them in the freezer, it's like he can't see them. So (laughs) you might just want to stick this away into the back of your brain somewhere for when you have teenagers and they eat, you know, they, they aren't just eating one ice cream sandwich. They want to eat half a box. Right. I need like a broccoli bag. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) you will, I, at least I do. I have to camouflage the. That's amazing. Yeah. So. Okay. Question number two, the book drop is located in West Fenwick Island, Delaware. So what are some things to do in that area besides the book drop that people should know about? What are some of your favorite things about the area? So we have amazing beaches, especially like August, September, October is probably the best time to come uh, visit coastal Delaware. Um, but we're right on the Delaware, Maryland line. So you can either um, enjoy the Delaware beaches like Bethany and Fenwick, or you can head south a little bit to Ocean City, Maryland, which is a, a huge vacation area for a lot of people. Uh, but raw oysters, I feel like we, we eat a lot of raw oysters in our area, which people either love or absolutely hate. Um, And also like Maryland blue crabs. Those are also Mm. one of our go-to kind of like more local foods. And And so so you grew up in this area, right? Yes. So you've been eating oysters. Are you a fan of oysters? Yes. Yes. Yep. We just had them actually at Thanksgiving. We we were all outside uh, shucking oysters and eating them raw. (laughs) I think Delaware beaches are one of those places that people don't think about as much because when you think of beaches, you know, you think about the Southern beaches or you think about like Cape Cod and, you know, that area. But I think, you know, like the books you pick that it's a hidden gem because I do know some people who like to go to the Delaware shore and it's not quite as crowded as maybe some places are and, you know, sort of has a small town feel to it. I hear. Absolutely. Yes. No, that's very true. And then also um, Delaware doesn't have any sales tax. So a lot of people come, you know, to shop and, and do all that good stuff. All right. Last question on your social media account. It says you are a bookworm on a farm. Tell us about the farm because I I guess for me, I'm, I was like, wait a minute, she's next to the beach. She's at the beach, but she's on a farm. How does this work? I know it's literally like the perfect place to live because, uh, the beaches are there and then you drive like 20 minutes inland and then it's all like rural farmland. But my husband's family, uh, my husband's a, I think a fourth generation farmer. Um, We have some chicken houses and two pigs and our family farms uh, corn and wheat and soybeans. And I've been begging my husband to let me get a Highland cow. And (gasps) when I say that, I mean like, hey, can you set up the fencing and the shed and the barn and order the food? And I will just (laughs) – I will just pet the cow. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, I've been kind of been like, hey, you know what would really be cool here is a little Highland cow. Um, (laughs) They are so cute. They're so cute. They look sort of like a golden doodle, but in cow form, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. And I've also been like deep in Outlander. That's what I binged while I was on maternity leave. And I was like, uh, yeah, obviously we need a Highlander cow. So um. <laughs> well, so my family is planning to go to Scotland next summer. And so that's <gasps> one of the things nice. that I'm like, we have to see. But I think what makes it even better, aside from the fact that the cows are so cute, is they call them coos. <laughs> <gasps> I did not know yes. that. They call them, well, I think I, I could That's be amazing. getting, but I think they call them healing coos. Oh, because Aww. the way they say cow is coo? Coos, yeah. Oh. oh, maybe that's why I don't have one yet. I haven't been calling it. I've like, been asking by the right been using term. the right verbiage. Yeah. <laughs> I will let my husband know. <laughs> but he must ask for the coos. <laughs> yeah, yes. I need a coo. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Amanda, it has been so fun chatting with you, learning about your farm and uh, and the book drop and Bethany Beach books. I, I'm going to put Delaware on my to-go list so that I oh, can well, get up there and, and visit. It sounds like a wonderful place. And hopefully people will check out the book drop and, and maybe for the difficult book person they have to buy for this year, they'll just get them a book subscription. That would be lovely. Thank you guys so, so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
You can find Bethany Beach Books on social media at Bethany Beach Books or their website www.bethanybeachbooks.com. Their subscription book service, The Book Drop, can be found on Instagram at the period book period drop or the website www.thebookdrop.com. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. We're also on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod and on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org. 